Welcome back. This is episode 27 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and as usual, I'm joined by Kevin and Brian. We are three artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all-round shit-talkers, and each week we take some of The Endless Stream of content brought to us through Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Hulu, YouTube, Spotify. Wherever you get your content, we take a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they are very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't watched What If or Only Murders in the Building, I think we touch on Why the Last Man as well this week, maybe go off and watch some of that stuff and come back and join the join the conversation. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, giving us a thumbs up or a like on YouTube, iTunes as well. All of that stuff really helps us build a following and uh, supports the podcast. If you want to head over to Instagram and follow at the Endless Cast. You'll find uh, audio clips and illustrations that we do to go along with each episode, and we engage with the audience a fair amount over there as well. So come chat to us, come disagree with us about films, televisions, video games, and whatever else is going on. All that being said, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back, Brian. Hello. You have you have returned to us from far flung shores. I have. I tally, as uh, someone pronounced it on the internet the other day. I tally. From Forenzi. Gen Z don't even try Where anymore. did you go? Forenzi. So that's where Ezio Auditore was from. That's where I, that's where I first learned Forenzi is Italian Florence. Because Ezio Auditore di Forenzi. I believe that's where I first learned. I played that game in Italian because... Um, classy like that i wanted a full immersive experience it's not even a joke i did because i did because i really did because i really wanted a full immersive experience is my mic on yeah we can hear you just ignoring you okay fair enough are you recording or are you not being heard i'm recording no we're ignoring him because he was asking questions okay assassin's creed 2 kev you you um, watched you played that game in italian yeah italian language with subtitles obviously yeah wow have you played have you English subtitles Italian voice? Yeah. Have you played that game, Kev? Um no. It's the one set in Renaissance Italy. And that was, was one of the early ones. Episode. He did it with a little espresso beside him and like a a, a rolly cigarette hanging out of his mouth just burnt down three quarters of the way. It just was a cannoli, not a cigarette, actually. Filled with pistachio. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. So the main character in that is uh, Ezio Auditori. But when they give his full title, it's Ezio Auditori of Florence. Um, mm. But then they said it in Italian, so it's Ezio Auditori di Forenzi. And it's like, ah, Forenzi. He's, He's my Italian friend. For Florence. And uh, I played the game in Italian because I'm classy like that. Yes. Yes, I see. He's single, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to live your life with this much pretense. They don't. You were saying something, Adam? I was going to say, yeah, no, um, I played that game at the same time as I was watching the Borgias. It was funny playing the game because in the video game, the Borgias were the villains. And in the TV show, the Borgias are still the villains, but you're you're made to like take their angle on it. You're rooting for them. You know, they're the, the I don't know. It was just funny having kind of the same story kind of play out, but from different mm. viewpoints, you know, mm. I would like play an hour of that and then we'd stick on an episode of the Borgias and then the next day we'd do the same, you know. Um, and we would see some of the same uh, plot points play out. Huh. History be funny like. So that. what did you do? What did you do in Florence? Were you were you staying in Florence the entire time? Mm-hmm. What, what were your top three Italian highlights? You were there a week, right? Top three things you did in Italy. Pasta making class. Oh, amazing! Yeah, it was really good. 
was that a, at a restaurant or was that a little school? Um, or something? It was one of those Airbnb experiences. So okay. I believe okay. the, if I understood him correctly, the guy doing the class had a restaurant and they've got like their own kind of um, wine and stuff that they, that they have. Uh, but the restaurant's closed at the moment or had to close last year at some point, I think, because of COVID and they haven't reopened yet. So he was doing these pasta making kind of experiences in the meantime. So it was cool. Got to do it with a bunch of other people. Um, so it was a good way to kind of meet and chat with people. It was really good fun. Pasta and he was hard, man. Um, he made it really easy. <laughs> It yeah. actually wasn't hard at all. It was fine. Oh God, I <laughs> it did really it. Good. I did it. I did it from scratch once, and I, I, I did, I did it. You know, I did the whole thing. And I what put shapes this, did you make? Um, spaghetti, not spaghetti, but like thin strips. I did the whole thing where they say when you're like, uh, make of your pasta, and then you roll it out into thin sheets that you should be able to read a love letter through it. That's what they say. No. Um, no, and then yeah, Lapa would it. disagree. Lapa would say if it's that thin, you've gone too thin. Oh, oh. well, it was yeah. a tough experience. I'm sure he's right. Not the lady on YouTube that I watched. Yeah, I would say so. What was the lady's name? Uh, I don't know. She she wasn't Italian, as far as I remember. That was what I was I was going to get to. Was was the was the accent? Uh... Like, was she putting cheese on it at the end? No, I was. Like, good old American cheese. But yeah, that's awesome. Pasta making is tough. It's, I saw a video recently of a woman who had just a mountain of flour with a crater in the middle, and she had dozens and dozens of eggs in it, and she just turned this, like, huge table of flour and eggs into tons of pasta. It was amazing. Every time we were making, like, a shape, he was telling us, you know, if you were making this and selling it, this is how much worth you know this is worth by by weight you know so like while we were making ravioli and stuff he was like yeah basically you know you'd, you'd spend about two hours making a thousand of these because you can sell it for you know 25 or 30 quid a, a kilo of pasta so that's just it's interesting as we're making this stuff he's like so that, that you can sell that for that much sell this for 12 yeah this for 12 euro a kilo are you gonna, are you, gonna so you could work out how much you were making an hour yeah are you gonna do your own uh, cork pasta based company authentic cork no i'll probably pasta. just make it for myself mm, that's boring no it's delicious was it all tourists yes yeah all tourists very good any 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 lady friends no why? Were there women there? Which question do you want me to ask first? Answer first. Aiden's. What was Aiden's question? Were women in Italy? No, I don't think so. Okay, weird. Not, Not there in September usually. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine they'd like it. <laughs> the season for them. Yeah, no, it's it's right between that really, you know, dry and then like there was thunderstorms, so it was kind of humid, you know, so they they don't hang around for that. That's what I understood. Yes. They come back in winter when they can wear their long coats and stuff. Fair. I think they they September in Milan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not not they, in not in not, not in Florence for September. No, 
But in all seriousness, Milan is where you get all the fashion for winter. Yeah, that's it. They, they go there to go to go to Milan to buy the winter coats, and they spend September and October maybe in Milan, and then they come back in November. That's what the guy in the nice. Gelateria told me. That's a nice group shop oh. for Kev. It's too much. It's too much. So your highlights. I don't know what an Gelateria is. Thank you. For I just told me. you. It's a nice group shop. Yes, but do you assume Aiden knows? Aiden probably does know because he's been to Italy. Aiden knows. Yeah. <laughs> Aiden, what? I've, uh, I've, 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 I've been to Florence. Aiden, yeah, there you go. See, Firenze. Highlight two: thunderstorm. Highlight three: thunderstorm. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let's let's let tell me about the thunderstorm. Um, what was it about it that moved you? Uh, loads rain. L- light show. Just, it's just proper thunderstorm. Like usually, we we, we, we so was it hot out that day? Like I, I associate thunderstorms with like a break in heat. Well, this had been forecasted for a few days. So every time I was checking the weather, it was like, might rain today because, you know, there's thunderstorms. And also, like, the forecast might be disrupted because there's going to be a thunderstorm. And one of the days, I think it was just a bit cloudy. The weather didn't really change. And then the next day, the weather was good again. And then that night, there was a, a thunderstorm at, like two in the morning or something and so you sent us a video then were you awake at two in the morning or did a thunderstorm start and you were like hooray and you got up went down those stairs opened that big old door and walked out of the rain to video just going to bed i was in bed and it started and i got dressed to go outside because it was amazing we get a thunderstorm over here and it's like you know one flash and then nothing yeah a little rumble and then 30 40 seconds later maybe another flash whereas this was just like a flash every two three <laughs> seconds yeah that's it that's the one so i went outside to have a look and then the rain got really heavy and the thunder got louder the lightning got more frequent and i ducked into a doorway <laughs> and then realized it was a wrought iron doorway <laughs> I thought about what I was doing, but also the fact that I was standing next to a rod iron doorway, and it's like I'm standing next to the biggest conductor on the street, probably. So it's it's bye bye for me now. As <laughs> I like, can I run back to the door and get my key out in time without getting zapped? I did, but I had to wait a while. But it's still fun. Highlight three. I know there's something that I'm forgetting that was really good. You went to the opera? Was that one of them? I guess the opera, yeah. You mentioned yes. that? Opera would be... Was, was, that a, was that a highlight? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. But so bizarre. I, I, I've not been to opera before and then to be in the opera in Florence. They... Let's put it this way. They take their applause at the end of the show very, very seriously. There was like... 10, 15 minutes of straight applause. And it's like, oh my God. I've been to plays and stuff before. I know how long that can go on. This was a whole new, whole new level. Yeah, because every time you hear about like Cannes or, or like... Yeah, the they got a 10... Yeah, like, I realized... stood up and applaud for yeah. 20 minutes. And you're like, what? Yeah, what? exactly. I kind of realized, oh, when they say they got a 10-minute ovation, it's got less to do with the, the film and just more to do with... Pretense and convention, and exactly, it was just like, please stop. Um, Placido Domingo was playing. He didn't play that night, 
but he's due to play, I think in October, he's due to play the part of the father. But he did come up on, I think it was him anyway, because I was sitting so far back and they didn't have the tiny binoculars. Bullshit. Um, but a guy got up on stage dressed like in a tux with kind of tails and stuff. And he looked, oh, cool. he looked like Placido Domingo. So I assume it was him and mm. the crowd went bonkers for him. And he, he, he hugged the guy playing the father that night. Um, so I'm assuming so it was, it was him. Baton passing. Yeah. Yeah. Did he, did he knock out a note or two? No, no. He literally just came up at the end and stood with the cast. Um, it might have been opening night. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Lots of people shouting so bravo. what was the opera? Brava, uh, Traviata. And was it good? It was very good. Did you did you get much out of it as an actual piece of entertainment? Or was oh, it yeah. just like the cultural experience? No, no. Like um, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, like vocals and singing anyway. So to see that, that, that was one of the things like I would like, I would like to see it up close or closer next time or have binoculars no joking like i would because they're so impressive sounding but i'm so far away it's like i kind of forget that i'm actually looking at a person making those sounds because the only times i've, I've heard those sounds before is like on audio or, through a speaker or, or yeah, yeah you know it's, it's it's playing somewhere so to be hearing it as good if not better than that but from and it wasn't that far away either but um, just couldn't be entirely sure that you're seeing them singing. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. It wasn't just the the kind of cultural thing. It was especially the the end of the first act. Um, the main character Violetta, she's singing about this decision whether she's going to live her own life or go off with this guy who's professed uh, his love for her, and just couple of the sounds she makes at the end of the first act are just phenomenal. The crowd went bonkers for it. So did I as well. It's just like, oh my God, this is insane. And also in the first act, every time the whole cast joined in singing, I got chills literally every time that they, so usually it was just like the kind of male character and female characters like singing back and forth to each other. And then every so often the entire cast, so maybe, I don't know how many were actually singing, but there was maybe 50 people on stage and whether there's only 10 or 20 of those are singers and the rest are maybe dancers or something. But when they all, basically when there was a chorus of opera voices singing, it was just like, literally like the hairs on my arms were just jumping up. It was just so intense. It was incredible. That's awesome. The stuff a co- like a, a, a an ensemble of voices will do, like I've, I've been to see, I saw The Lion King, like it's not opera, it's, it's, it's West End stuff, but I saw the Lion King and Hamilton as well. But like when a whole ensemble just hits that shit together and the room fucking vibrates, it's... I I I, ha- I had that experience up close as well. Um, when I was working in a bar, probably about ten or fifteen years ago, now it was um, there's a choral festival on in Cork every year. Mm. Basically, anyway, uh, about twenty or thirty American students walked in, college students, and they ordered a drink, and I made them. I think I made up some, they wanted something Irish. So I made like a, a baby Guinness, but I gave him with some Jameson as well. So it was like Bailey's and um, Jameson and whatever. Come here. But there's about 20 or 30 of them. And I just lined them up and gave them shots, but they were 
basically they, they they were really impressed and they were just in such a good humor they were probably buzzing more from just basically they'd been performing at the choral festival which i didn't know yet but i'd pour them these drinks and they were really friendly and they were really nice and uh they're like oh you've been so nice to us uh, we want to sing for you and i was like what <laughs> i was like oh no <laughs> what's this gonna be it's just like some kind of because again i didn't know that they had just been performing at the, the choral festival and <laughs> we're trying to go viral could you get your phone <laughs> i'm standing about five feet from them and they just started singing about 20 or 30 people their voices directed at me and i could feel the vibrations of their voices in my bones i was like oh my god it was incredible they sang i don't know the i think the line in the chorus is something like um joshua built the walls of jericho or something like that i don't know the right it's i don't know but they sang it and it was phenomenal. They sang like a, a chorus of it and incredible. Yeah. So yeah, when, uh, when, uh, when 20 or 30 people with opera trained voices sing, um, singing loud enough to be heard over an orchestra as well. It's, it's impressive. That's awesome. It's amazing. And I know you went to, you sent pictures of like the stairs in Siena. Yes. What a weird town, right? Yes. I had no idea I was going to be running up so many stairs. Did, did did you get any of the history of the town or did you just look around it? I read the plaque on the front gate when you go into the... So what did you get? Just the fact that it was its own republic, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Very wealthy until... I can't remember now who it was, but they... The Medicis, maybe? I'm not sure. But they basically said, nope, none of that now. Uh, your money is our money now. Um, yeah. So apparently it's still very, very proud of its own isolation or independence. And the people there are very much like, no, we're, we're, we're of Siena. Mm-hmm. You know, like these people are assholes. We're yeah. of Siena. They're, they're very proud of that. And it's also, there's a, there's a factionalism within it of the various families. Okay. So the, the town square, at least as it was explained to me, is even broken into like, if you got to cross this square... You don't cross that way unless you're from that family. You don't cross this way unless you're from that family. Wow. And if you if you set foot in the wrong part of the thing, like fucking swords could come out back in, back in the day, which is really you know interesting to to think about the little like community they had and the the interactions with it. It's for anybody listening, I guess Sienna. It's Brian sent some videos to us because he found it crazy that like you kind of arrived by train. Did arrived you? by train had no sense that. Like the town was, you know, up higher than Built where it was. Yeah, and the like the signs kind of pointing for the exit were pointing towards like the shopping center. And I was like, do I have to exit through the shopping center? And then just kind of decided, oh, there's a stairs here. I'll see what's up the next level of the shopping center. Not realizing that the exit was up. I thought I could. I mean, I probably could have gone out the other side as well. I didn't necessarily have to go up that way. And yeah, there was just like 10 flights of stairs. And like, depending on how you count flights of stairs as well, like sometimes there was like two flights in a row, but I was counting them as one. So if that makes sense, as in like, I wasn't changing normally, like we think of flights of stairs as I go up and I'm either turning left or right up a flight of stairs. But um, sometimes then there was no turn. It was just like going straight up. There was a little gap and then, another flight of stairs um yeah there was a couple standing 
on the Travelator, um, not letting anybody pass. So the second I could get past them, it's like, I'm just going to take the stairs. That's a, that's a dick move considering what you had to go through. Yeah, like I get why they weren't moving because there's a lot of steps, but they could have went single file. So the second we got to the top of that set of the Travelator, I was just like, oh, I'll just take the steps. Just ran up with them. And then when there was more, I was like, well, there can't possibly be more. And then there was more again, and I was wearing a mask, so I couldn't really breathe. That <laughs> no. was fun. Did you see any pictures of the horse race they do in that town square? Uh, no, I didn't, no. So so one of the, the, the big attractions of Siena is they have this horse race annually. And that town square I was telling you about is... Um, uh, I'll try. I'll throw a picture in the chat. Like uh, I was in the town square. It, yes. Okay. Well, imagine they fill the center of that with people and race horses around the edges of it. It's bonkers. Even looking at the picture because it's so so tight and the turns are so sharp. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like a bloody. Oh, it seems like a death trap. So so many people just penned into the center of it while these horses just run around. That looks the like a, a disaster waiting to happen. Doesn't it? Anyway, I, I was, you know, I was, what was I amused? I was just kind of happy that I could talk about something that you were at, you know. I was like, oh, I was there. I saw that. <laughs> I guess it helped having a, an Italian guy showing us around. He, he was telling us all of this stuff. It was really cool. I saw Michelangelo's David too. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to go see that. Even if his proportions are whack. <laughs> they are, though. Michelangelo, learn your fucking proportions. Whack. Am I right? Whack. Whack. Dude does not understand hands and heads at all. He clearly just like spent a lot of time with the hands because he likes hands. And then it was too big. He's like, oh, it's uh, for perspective from when you're looking at it from down here. It's like, you just like hands, don't you? He did a good job on them, but he, there I said it. I said it. He liked a man with big hands. But a micro P. Nope, that's the normal size. Um, so <laughs> moving on. He's a grower, not a shower. Have we, I think, is there anything else you wanted to say? We close out Italy. You had a good time? Had a great time. Yeah. Italy, go, no go. Yeah, go, go. It's like the flight was like 50 quid, you know, each way. So go for it. It's great. I, I really liked it. There's still plenty I didn't get to do. So. Yeah. Awesome. So there you go. Two thumbs up. Well, welcome. Welcome back. By way of the, the, the regular sort of entertainment content of the podcast, we could start with the fact that Norm MacDonald passed away this week, 61 years old, after a nine-year battle with cancer that he told nobody about. Terribly, terribly sad. I don't know if you guys were Norm MacDonald fans or indifferent or... I liked him. I didn't like him for years. But I, would have, I would have only really seen him in cameos and bits and pieces. Mm. But then a couple of years ago, I did watch, I can't remember why, I was on a bit of a Sander Buzz and that kind of crew and all that kind of stuff. And then I did watch one of his movies. I can't think of the name of it, but I know if I heard it. He's basically a loser in it, but it's very, very good. And uh, I really, really found him endearing. Yeah, he, 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 what? He, he was kind of an acquired taste, but once you kind of got it, you just was like, oh, this is, he will just sit in the silence and watch you not get, you know, he's, he's just enjoying himself. He had his own rhythm. I keep thinking about the, um, the there's a clip going around as part of his like best ofs and you'll find it and i i keep laughing at it because he almost is like breaking his own character and doing a bit and it's definitely a bit because he's done it in other places but it's just it's with larry king 
and it's in the interview and it just goes um, is there anything you uh, want to talk about here specifically and he goes well I'm a deeply closeted gay man yes that's and brilliant poor old Larry just doesn't it takes him forever to get onto the wavelength of what's happening yeah it's very good um, and he goes what are you what are you admitting you're gay and he goes no but you just said I said I'm deeply closeted <laughs> and it's just this oh it's just this awkward 90 seconds of Larry trying to work out what the hell is going on it's so funny it's very good yes um, yeah I guess I'll be going down a Norm Macdonald rabbit hole for a while even just watch these clips of a bunch of Rob Schneider movies the only thing that'll make me watch some Rob Schneider movies trying to find the Norm Macdonald there's bits. probably a Norm Macdonald cut that you can watch on YouTube somebody's gone to the trouble I'd imagine I'm trying to think of that movie he was in that I watched that I kind of it re- Dirty Work Dirty Work I think it is it's uh, if you I'm pretty sure he's the main guy in it if you've not watched it it is very very good and that's actually the because um, I've seen, would have seen him in Billy Madison and all like you said Rob Schneider's movies and all that kind of stuff and uh, I, I did go through a phase of like Adam Sandler I think I was kind of a bit like I don't know excuse me a bit down and stuff and then I just was, wanted to watch kind of positive fun stuff and I would have watched a lot of Adam Sandler growing up so I watched a lot of it again and it really kind of like just, it just made me laugh uh, so much and stuff and then I kind of was like I got through a lot of it and I was like I need more of just this kind of era comedy stuff and I watched Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald kind of reluctantly because I wasn't a huge fan even though he had I, I guess I was warming to him because I'd watched so many Sander at the time or so much Sander at the time mm. and then I watched Dirty Work Dirty Work is is good I actually really enjoyed Dirty Work Mitch and Sam have to come up with $50,000 fast the only problem is neither of them can hold down a job Mitch finds a way to do a way to money by exploiting the only talents that you have by opening a revenge for higher business. I've I've never heard of this film. Okay, it's definitely like it's linked to all of that sort of like SNL yeah alum stuff, you know, like um, Tommy Boy and the Sandlerverse. Yeah, which is a thing now, by the way. Yeah, I guess coming out of SNL, like he was fired off of Saturday Night Live. I think. Mm-hmm. Why was he fired? I don't. I don't know if it was Lauren Michaels at that point. Hasn't it always been Michaels? No, Michael's got ousted for a brief period. Oh, and it was, it was right. kind of like a Dan, a Dan Harmon-esque return. Right. I have a feeling the the I could be wrong, but I feel like the 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 moment they got Michael's out was the year they had like Robert Downey Jr. and like a bunch of actors and stuff in it from sort of you know what I mean. It was a little like odd the people that were being brought into SNL, you know. I guess trying to change the energy of it, but uh, Michael's came back when it was kind of flagging. Watch Dirty Work. Um, anyway, that's Norm. Uh, as we have Brian back, it might be worth talking about the Matrix Resurrections trailer. Because I don't think we talked about it with you on record. No. Do you want to give us your, your treatise? Yes. <laughs> um, He's tenting his fingers. Where to start? He's got himself a cannoli full of pistachios. We're in for a long one. Um... Yeah, I, I I don't know really. Um, I have at least one listener that was very annoyed that we didn't talk about the Matrix for an hour and a half last week, so <laughs> we can probably dig into it for a little bit. Um, I always knew there'd be a sequel; it's just a matter of when. Um, and then there was rumors for a while that there was going to be a prequel, maybe with like a young Morpheus. So I knew something was in the works. It was just a, a matter of what it was going to be. Um, well, there's kind of two 
too um, fully realized a world, especially given the sort of the the developing universes, Marvel verse, DC verse, the way I'm not cinema asleep. has gone. I'm listening. Um, it was kind of too well built a world to just leave sitting on a shelf, you know. Yeah, especially given that left you know, it came to a it came to a very clear resolution, but they also left room for other stories. So hmm. the first film is like definitely in my top three, probably. The sequels. Oh, what what are those other two? Uh, Kung Fu Hustle depends. and Speed Racer. No, probably. Uh, Rob Schneider's The Animal and Adam Sandler's Waterboy. No, oh. it, it's hard. It's hard. It, it's hard to pin the other ones because not even for Faruza Book. Let's say it's definitely in my top five. Oh, Dark Knight, Heat Ledger, Heat Ledger, Dark Knight thingy. No, Winter Soldier. No, Jack Reacher, Civil War. That's I would say right now, today, right now, as of this moment. He loves Jack Reacher. Subject to change. Yeah, The Matrix, Spirited Away, Chunking Express, Wayne's World, and mm, not sure the fifth, but that's the mix generally. Put a five in his placeholder. Um, maybe rear window or vertigo. Maybe. Oh, he's trying to be Oof, he's wow, trying okay. to be fancy on the podcast. I mean, he's he has clearly got this very nicely diverse, like um, you know, fucking list of like I'm very very classy and intellectual, but also I can have fun. Wayne's World, guys. Uh, Wayne's World is classy and intellectual. How dare you? Wayne's World is a work of comic genius. Sure, it sure. is. Hey guys, hey guys, I have. Anyway, okay, so um, so yeah, I, I I love the first one so much. Like, yeah. can't state uh-huh. enough how much I love it. Uh-huh. The sequels mm-hmm. aren't as bad mm-hmm. as as everyone says. Not um, at all, no. And they're, they're bad. people people got mostly turned off just by fucking words with three syllables in it. Yeah, like the like people disconnected at the architect scene in a way that revolutions is definitely the weakest at. as well because it it. It abandons so much of what makes. I, I, again, I, I've mentioned a couple of times. I'm not into war scenes, big kind of ensemble scenes. Mm. So the machines versus the humans in machines. I get bored. No yeah. interest, really. It's just a lot of. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. It's just noise. Are yeah. you trying to say yeah. cool mech, but it, very noisy? You're trying to say that the matrix. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like in in. You trying to say the matrix is. You better be interrupting brow. me for something good. I'm just trying to say. Is Aiden trying to claim that the Matrix is too highbrow for people? I'm inclined to say that people... People switched off when they heard the wordy man talk. They definitely did. And not that it's highbrow, but... The KFC guy. Verbose isn't the same as highbrow. And he's very verbose. Uh, Well, we were in first year of college when that film came out. And the MTV Video Music Awards as well had Will... The movie awards had Will Ferrell doing his bit, which was funny. But like what they were making fun of was was what people reacted to. People heard words and then went, "That doesn't make any sense." And I'm like, "Literally does." Those are sentences that have words that yeah follow one after Especially the other. Especially given sense. that it's the it's it's literally the architect of the most sophisticated piece of programming that the world has ever seen. Of course, it's going to talk in really precise, laborious language. You know. And germ, and then you'd have journalists saying, "I couldn't follow this. 
it's like you've got a fucking english degree or something and you're a film critic and you're telling me that like yeah he's he's obnoxious he's supposed to be he's he's the antithesis to the oracle she's warm and intuitive and he's cold and obnoxious it's like that's it it suits it's it's intellect versus humanity Yeah. yeah it makes sense for the moment and it's also a big surprise because it's only in the like second or third act you find out that they've got to get this key to go through a door and it's like what since when like they got to go through a door what's going to be through the other door the other side of the door and it's just a old white dude of course it's an old white dude it's perfect it's it that 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 resonates so much more today that of course the fucking the source of all our problems is an old white dude clinging to power i mean funny mm. you know anyway the sequels aren't as bad as people say especially once once they go to the merovingian in reloaded and then they go back to the chateau it's fucking action all the way for the next 20 minutes and it's we have never seen a set piece in an action film the only thing that comes close in the last couple of years is mission impossible fallout where you've got this extended well-constructed well-paced action sequence i think the when they break out um blanking on the actor's name Blanking on the character's name as well. In Fallout, when, in Fallout, when they the scary guy. I'm yeah, blanking oh, on both um, names. Harris. Yes. Harris is the guy's name. He was in the Borgias. He played Micheletto. He was brilliant. Yeah, What's his he's name? He's great. Oh, it's not Richard Harris. It's not Jared Harris. It's not Sean Harris. It's Sean Harris. Sounds right. Yeah, Sean sounds right. Anyway, they break him out, and then there's a motorbike chase, and like there's this extended sequence of action stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, in action films, we don't get we don't we don't get set pieces like that in action films that often and it's great and i think if revolutions had a bit more of those moments as well it would have ended a much much stronger um because supposedly they spent a ton of money on this this big battle as well at the end of revolutions and it just it's just kind of for what so that's all a long-winded way of saying that I'm not particularly excited about this because it ended so kind of resolutely, even though I knew they'd always do something else. Uh, I just wasn't sure what that would be. But it wasn't like I was saying, I need a fourth film to find out what happens next. Um, And then as much as I love Speed Racer and I like Sense8, they've had a kind of a spotty you know, track record. Did you watch Cloud Atlas? Um, I can't remember if I have or not, actually. We mentioned that last week, and I kind of think that should be on our to-watch list. Yeah, I can't remember if I have. Because I don't think think we watched that. I think I have, but I don't think I was giving it my full attention, to be honest. Hmm. Um, I think that's a a to-watch one. Sure. Like, maybe when What If Ends, let's throw that on the list and... Give, give it a good bit of talk. Um, David Mitchell is working as a scriptwriter on this as well. So Cloud Atlas is based on his book. And he, I think he wrote the script with them for the film. And he's working. Of Mich- Mitchell and Webb? No. Oh, okay. Mitchell, who wrote Cloud Atlas. Not the same. Ah, okay. not, not that. David Mitchell. A different David Mitchell. Not that David. I'm pretty sure his name's David Mitchell. Anyway. Okay. That makes more sense, though. The, the author of the book wrote the screenplay with them 
and has worked with um worked with them on this film as well. Did they do Jupiter Ascending? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's it's bad. I I, I, I to be honest, I, I was kinda hoping that like critics didn't like Speed Racer, but I liked Speed Racer. Yeah. So I was I was thinking that maybe it's not perfect, but maybe I'll find something or enough to like in here. Because the premise it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they got a good it's cast. It's got that big, uh, expansive sci-fi yeah. kind of literary feel to it. Yeah. So I was still kind of hopeful that I might like it, but um, it's not good, unfortunately. So, yeah. So I'm not massively excited about this, but at the same time, the trailer was great, I thought. And I'm that's, interested that's, to I guess, see. To it. Yeah. The trailer is great. Yeah. So what were your questions? Were you just like, oh, this is good fun? Or were you like, what's this? What's that? What's it? Like, what what did it make you think when you were watching it? Like, he's he's in the Matrix? Is he self-medicating with those blue pills? Is somebody asking him to take no, him? Like is my, the psychiatrist an agent of the I, system? I, I think if anybody's, you know, watched and paid attention to Revolutions, has a good idea of what's happened next. Okay, so what's that? The, the the whole the climax of those films was kind of hinging on the fact that they've they're in the, the machines are in control. They've made a version of the Matrix before, and Zion is this little pressure valve essentially because a percentage when they, of the humans wake up. Yeah, well, like yeah, exactly, and, get and, and they they designed it that way because when it was perfect. Everybody rejected it. So they created a version that is imperfect. And then on some unconscious level, people are choosing to stay in the dream world. Everybody knows on some level that that something's wrong. This isn't this isn't real, basically. And on some level they're choosing to stay in there, much like we all do, you know, like the beliefs are the prison of the mind, blah, 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 whatever. Um yeah, we're, you know, let's not get into the philosophical side because we'll be here all day. But it's based on these ideas that are, you know, talked about our own kind of society. So they created a version where people either on some level have to accept or reject. And that small percentage that reject, they've had, they've accounted for and they've let them think that they're building this rebellion, which is, which is Zion. And then they have a version... They've created this fiction of the the one, and the one essentially contains the code to reboot the whole thing all over again. And they they've created the cycle in such a way that the one, when given the choice, would choose to save Zion rather than try free everybody at the risk of everybody dying. And then you know the machines would also lose because they need they need the humans as as a power source. And in the previous versions, the one has always chosen to be reinserted back in the Matrix. And that's effectively what Neo does at the end. But he says, instead of doing it this way, let's let's have a, a truce. But we know his code was going to be inserted back into the Matrix. And we see him being carried off at the end of Revolutions, where he's gold and the machines are gold. And they use those colors in a very symbolic way 
so we kind of know that the choice is made isn't necessarily um an entirely kind of grim one because he's been carried away with it that that shot is color coded with the kind of yellow orange golden glow so we know there's kind of a positive aspect to it so and then at the end we see the oracle and the architect and the, the child and now the cities usually everything in the matrix has kind of got this green issue and now there's this sunset and we know it's there's, there's a, better a different color version yeah and every shot we've then seen in this trailer is color coded the same way as those scenes so we know that we're probably looking at the matrix that people are given the choice to kind of stay in or not but it's different from the previous versions we've seen before and essentially neo has been reinserted back here but the machines have found uh, some fiction or narrative to kind of keep him there and he's being prescribed these these pills because he probably has a sense of um you know the previous events this stuff they've put in the trailer which i've seen like the deep dive videos talk about but i haven't seen other people pick up on it but of a sense of where the plot is going or what it's about and i think it's interesting i think it's it's an interesting take so this isn't really a spoiler i think if i because there's a shot in the trailer that shows this so i don't okay. think i'm spoiling so what's what's the shot first the shot is it looks like there's a SWAT team and some type of chase mm. and they run through a projector screen to get away from right. being chased by these people have you watched you've watched the trailer i assume i've watched trailer, have yeah. you noticed yeah. what's on the projector screen when they run through it is it scenes from the matrix it's film? scenes from the first film yeah. Yeah. yeah so the matrix exists as a film in this world yeah and then we've got jonathan groff at the end saying here we are back in the matrix and we take that as a very kind of a meta almost fourth wall break but what he's probably saying to keanu reeves's character is let's do another thing in the matrix he's probably saying it to him like in almost a studio executive way saying yeah let's do another here we are like back doing something else in the matrix so there's you know there's there's layers of interpretation to that but i think basically it's kind of like cypher in the first film when he says i want to be put back in i don't want to remember anything i want to be someone famous like an actor or something they probably put neo back in and created this fiction where he's he's an actor and the trilogy and the game yeah basically action movie but he's thomas anderson but he's yeah but he's been in the the trilogy (laughs) let's forget this anderson thing your name is now keanu yeah, but I think that's I think that's part of what the plot is is going to be, especially when so much of the first film that what was driving it is the sense that you know I've got I've got a feeling that you know my life isn't real and it's all a fiction yeah. or whatever, and what better way to kind of look at that again? Whereas, what if your life, what if your real life, we're now telling you your yeah, and then flat mm-hmm. fight Jonathan Groff. Um, uh, in a shot somewhere in the trailer as well but it's shot to look like the subway fight from the first film so yeah th- there was enough of the sort of like there were enough set pieces in it or or oh, the, yeah the, the, I guess that's the correct phrase um, 
that were reminiscent of the original film that was just like oh this kind of like this feels greatest hitsy i think that's but it's very deliberate yeah, i know there's definitely more to it oh, well, i mean I, I say definitely i could be wrong there, there might not be mm. any more to it yeah. and maybe that's the maybe the wachowskis are just like let's I, give I, them explosions and make a shit ton of money and we're set for another 10 years well it's just lana i think it um, is yeah but yeah so you know i wasn't looking massively forward to it even though i love especially the first film and i do like the sequels um really like the trailer i thought it was a good trailer and i'm kind of more interested in where they're going with it and what they're up to more than than anything else um but i'm happy that it looked i i saw a lot of people talking about mm. it and i'm happy that some what is it 18 16 years later 18 years later i think it was 2003 <laughs> anyway i'm happy that all this time has passed and there's you know people i've seen a lot of people be excited mm. about it even people who didn't yeah. like the sequels and i thought that was that was interesting there's definitely a lot of people who will have never seen the first three i remember being in bali firm with kev and it was just kind of walking up the steps one day and I think I was 24 or 25. I can't remember if it was the first or second year in Valley Firm, but I was 24 or 25. So I was older. I was older than most of the other students. But Story of your life. At the same time, at the same time, not that much older than the people I passed talking. Like they were probably 19 or 20, maybe 21. Not massively older than them. But uh, I heard one of them say to the other, I was like, oh, it's like that. Um, did you ever did you ever see that film The Matrix? And I was like, that just wasn't a question. <laughs> like everybody saw The Matrix. But I was like, I'm now at a point in my life where uh somebody not that much younger than me, there's a good chance that they haven't seen but the I, film. I've like, said that to you before about the teaching stuff I did where like I was teaching um, yeah. people in, you know, sixth year going leaving cert students. And when I started doing that all of my references were sort of any movies I'd referred to were just kind of like, yeah, they get this. You know what I mean? Like, bang on. But like, mm -hmm. all it took was three years of doing it. And I would refer to a movie or a cartoon and these kids did not know what the fuck I was talking about. And it makes a lot of sense, really, when you think about the cycle of productions on, on kids' shows and, and stuff. It's like, if you think about being five or if you think about being a four-year-old, you're not watching the same shit as a seven-year-old, you know? And a seven-year-old doesn't give a shit about the same stuff as a ten-year-old. So there's this little gap of, especially when you're kids, that like these age differences are amplified. Like they make a big, big mm -hmm. like two years is a big difference in kid years, you know. And it means you could miss something like yes. the Matrix. All right, Kevin. Yep. Yes. Okay, you're quiet. He's dying. I'm listening. Okay. I'm not dying. Well, everybody is, I guess. Uh, I could be. I just, I just, I've just. Because of the dentist, I guess I'm on antibiotics and painkillers, and you're a little numbed out. The anesthetic and stuff to use. Not even that. No, it's like my stomach is topsy turvy. Oh. So, so I guess our takeaway is Brian will watch this Matrix movie, but he's not particularly bending over backwards over the moon excited for it. Because how much Brian loved the I, Matrix I, 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 was, I was a say, joke. I was say, I, I'm more, um, yeah. And yeah. like very quickly a joke. And I remember Dave Riley in first year for some reason walking over to you. We were making something at a mall or something. He just had like red pill, blue pill in his hands. I was like, why is like, <laughs> it wasn't even that. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was such a, yeah. Brian likes the no, Like I, I'm, I'm more, 
I'm more looking forward to now having seen the trailer okay. and you know having an idea of where they've decided to to take it. I, I was but, like I said, I was watching clips of it because I haven't. I don't think I've watched it. Maybe the year after it came out on telly, you know, when it was showing on Sky Movies and stuff. I remember being very disconnected all of a sudden from Neo because of the demeanor that he adopted in the sequels. You know, he's very human, mm-hmm. very nervous, very panicky, very whatever in the first Matrix movie. And the aesthetic, like, I don't have an issue with the aesthetic, the the, the sort of, um, the kind of uh, uh, clerical Cassock look yeah. like I thought that's actually kind of cool like that's a great it's a nice decision and yeah. they definitely had to move away from the trench coat thing after the fucking school shooting they didn't have to but they chose to get a bit more stylized in their stuff and they made their own score rather than relying on a, a needle drop soundtrack because so much of what was in that first soundtrack which was great just became parody soon after but yeah the way that Neo and I'm sure I can go back and watch it and he isn't as bad as I think he is but he just became kind of cold and detached and hidden behind sunglasses a lot of it and I was just it just disconnected also, me from him in a way there's a episode of a podcast apparently recently we should probably look it up if I'm going to talk about it at all so I'll check in a second but um, they did an interview with Bill Pope, right. who was the cinematographer on, on the three films. And um, he talked about the sequels and he just talked about there just being a very different vibe on the set and that the Wachowskis, even their methods and things had kind of changed. And they were making two films back. To, he said basically that it was exhausting. It was a very different... There's more tension, really. It's not that they're... I think, I think the example he gave basically was that they he said they'd read some book either by Kubrick or about Kubrick and just talking about how many takes it is necessary to do to get actors to kind of do stuff and he's basically essentially everybody was exhausted making the two films and he says he felt it showed as well because he just said it wasn't fun not not in terms of any actual drama or anything just it was he said it was a very different experience from yeah. yeah very different experience from the first film and I think all of that factors into it. And I think I think a lot of that shows yeah. in the film as well. It, it feels very laboured in places. Not just the, that it needed an edit, but it's just kind but of... I, I, I think it's just there's a lack of energy to it. It's just kind of... It isn't yeah. there in the same way. And even yeah. looking at it, like I was trying to justify it watching... Like it was a scene with uh, Monica Bellucci asking Neo for the kiss, you know? And yeah. it cuts to just such this still face with the glasses and it's so white and drawn and... Like, it's a nice shot and all, but it does, again, it had that sort of speed racer, like, this is a shot from anime, and they told him not to fucking move, you know? And he's just delivering the line as if all they're moving his mouth shapes. And it just made him, like, it's hard to just, uh, I don't know, it's hard to, like, get in with a person who's, like, so much of what was great about Thomas Anderson in the first one was, um, we're as confused and off-balance and... And we're with him, you know. And in the second one, we don't yeah. get that. We don't get in with him. We don't get yeah, and in. like I, I, I think it's. I think what they were going for as well is like, you know, all the, all the doubt that would come with finding out you're this messianic mm. figure. Particularly, like based on the way the first film ends. Tell me about it. He. <laughs> 
he he puts on his son at, at the end of the first film uh you know he says i'm going to show everybody here something you don't want them to see a world without you and then he flies off and it's like yeah and then a rage against the machine comes in and i think that what they were kind of driving for is like he's got no idea how to do the thing he just promised he was going to do and he's lost and that's kind of where that th- that's essentially what he's what he's you know trying to channel in the second film particularly but it also then just does create a, a bit of a barrier between between the audience and and him especially because it ends so triumphantly in the first film and then to see him just i mean it makes sense for him to be full of it's, doubt it's kind of but, but it's, it's, it's kind just, of a, like it's a it joke just, as much as anything but like don't ask keanu reeves for complexity ask him to look confused and ask him to punch things i disagree with that <laughs> i know i, I know disagree. you do i'm just being glib but like like when i think of my favorite keanu reeves things it's like he's completely baffled and confused in the matrix and then he's kicking the shit out of things in john wick but it's like um I just, I, I guess I don't come to him for emotional depth. But th- th- this is the thing that, you know, how many, how many, how many great memes has this guy given us? Sad Keanu. He, he, this guy is, he, he does what a good actor is supposed to do. We pour ourselves into him and we relate. So to say that he can't do complexity and stuff, I don't buy because, uh, the man is iconic. Sad Keanu. There's uh, your breathtaking. There's there's just so many. Moving on. Whoa. Um, the guy said whoa, and it whoa. became. He's great. Uh, it's the Team Deacons podcast. It's the Roger Deacons podcast on which Bill Pope uh. was talking, and he talks about the. The sequels being a chore to shoot. A different vibe, right? Did he he shoot Team America as well? He did. He's done a lot. I I do. He most recently did Free Guy, I think. Okay. Was it Free Guy? Free Guy? No, no, not Free Guy. Shang-Chi. I mean, that's a movie. Shang-Chi? Yes, Shang-Chi. Oh. I mean, he might have done Free Guy also, but he did Shang-Chi. And he's in the credits as okay. William Pope instead of Bill for some reason. But he did Spider-Man 1 and 2, I think. Um, he did 2 anyway, at least. Maybe 1 also. He's great. We're, we're pushing on time-wise here, so I just want to touch on uh, trailer for Nightmare Alley. New Guillermo del Toro film with Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe I saw in there. Am I missing anybody? Yes. Who am I missing? Uh, I can't remember. Probably the rest of the cast. There's, there's more. Kate Blanchard. Um, did you say Kate Blanchard? William the Four. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Mara. That's a gear. A David Strathairn. Um, I always forget about Rooney Mara. Is that Kate Mara's sister? Yes. No, she's Kate Mara's her sister. Yeah, Kate Mara's her sister. I don't know any of those people you just mentioned. Okay. You clearly know two of them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what did you make of the trailer? I mean, it's got this sort of like uh, depression era, dust bowl, circus kind of thing happening. Um, 
lots of talk of monsters, but like it's Willem Dafoe doing like the sales pitch of the circus. So that might just be, you know, you know, the circus presentation and the real monster is the humanity going on in the circus, you know, the ins and outs of their relationships. And there's not really an actual monster. I don't know. I'm just trying to, I don't know the story. I don't know the. I think it's just one of those things. It's Gamer de Toro, and he's kind of selling you an aesthetic and a vibe. And God who knows what the movie will be about because to Shape of Water it was like an aesthetic and a vibe in a trailer, and then the movie was bizarre to say the least. I know people who really hated it. Uh, I I I I kind of it wasn't that bizarre. A little bit indifferent. Mm. I liked it. I I watched it and I enjoyed it. I don't think I'd watch it again. Yeah, I I, I like I, I I like the aspects of it for sure. Michael Shannon's a lunatic. He's brilliant. He plays though. it very well. He is yeah. brilliant. He is so so good. I'm not going to say underrated because he's probably not, but he's brilliant. Any thoughts on this trailer? Are you anticipating the new? Like, what was the last Guillermo movie? Was it Shape of Water? Yeah, I'd say so. Because uh, he did that. He did that. John Ham. Well, I don't know if he did it. He produced it. The the lady in red, wasn't it? The and then I think where he'd never seen him looking so lovely as he did tonight. Uh, I know that's a Chris DeBerg reference, but I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Um, he did, yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it like something like that? The lady in red or something? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, With Daniel, the Daniel Radcliffe. Crimson Peak. Was it Crimson Peak? The woman in black. Maybe that was it. Was a long time ago and had nothing to do with Guillermo del Toro. Crimson Peak was before oh. Shape of Water. I'm, I'm confused. Like, Woman in Black was almost like Daniel Radcliffe's first movie after the Potters. Yeah. He did Troll Hunt. He did Troll Hunters. He didn't direct it, though. He produced it. Yeah, he was mm. producing that thing. He, he, pro- he produces a good show. Eh, I like how this looks. Visuals look great. Oh, I'm thinking of Crimson Peak, sorry. Good cast. Looks good. I think it's about two con artists, basically. I think Cooper and Blanchett are con artists. We don't know more about the story yet, but looks good. I'm intrigued. I'm in. I think what Del Toro is like, when he when he, when he he nails the story, he's a, he's a phenomenal filmmaker, you know? Um, but there's been some films where I'm like, this story isn't great. But it looks amazing. So like his his art direction. Sometimes I'm like, if he was an art director on a, I don't want to say a better filmmaker, but like Tony he could Collette. art direct somebody's film to fucking crazy. I it's, think like I, Pacific Rim. I is great looking and so much love went Pacific into every Rim aspect of it. But the story Pacific is Rim is wobbly. Pacific Rim is superb. No, I think. Um, I've never really said it out loud, so I probably won't articulate it very well, but I think he doesn't have as good an ear for dialogue in English. So, yeah, it just sound. it doesn't sound, it, it sounds, a, it's, it's a bit cheesier, his English language films, mm-hmm. I think. Um because obviously, you know, you compare it to Pan's Labyrinth. Um, there's there's a very different vibe comparing like Pan's Labyrinth to even Shape of Water. Let's or e- even Hellboy. Mm. You know, 
I really want to like Hellboy so much and I just don't. And I think I think if those films I think if those were Spanish language films they'd just be they would be very, very different. Right. I like the first one, the second one disappointed me. Like I'm looking at his like his directing history here. Like Kronos was Spanish language, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. Am, yeah. I, am I wrong on that one? Uh, a type of Spanish. Um, uh, then you've Mimic. That's nineteen ninety seven. Devil's Backbone. Kronos. Devil's Backbone. Blade Two. Hellboy. Chronos. Pan's Labyrinth. Like I think a Hellboy is being great. Pel- Pan's Labyrinth being great. Hellboy Two. I wasn't mad on Pacific Rim. I think is wobbly. And then it's the only thing wrong with Pacific Rim is the third act. Just you know, it comes down to them trying to put a bomb through a, a portal. When we've just had this but amazing think, fight in Hong Kong, I think the opening sections all over the shop as well, though. It's like, there's it's, great things. It's messy, but it's yeah, it's messy, sure, but it's yeah, it's Speed Racer, you know, in terms of like I'm here for this because I'm I'm trying to remember it, but we have this whole opening section or opening credits that gives us the history and stories of the world. Yep. Then we see the um, uh, I can't remember the name of the 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 Jaeger that goes out and has the battle and then it's you know his last battle and then we find him working on the wall and then they immediately come and get him and bring him back and I was watching that again recently thinking we should have skipped that battle it should have played back in flashback we should have learned that about him as it went on because we just learned what the world is it's just too many introductions at that point I think we could have gone from the opening credits to Idris trying to find more pilots. But then we've got the flashback. And learning with, why he left. With the other character. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't flashbacks need that. then. That seems I great. Shut that. up. That child was amazing. It's fine. She was it's looking just... at nothing, and I fully believe she was. But then, for, then, then forget the flashback altogether. You know, just tell us, you know, oh, yeah, don't you also hate flashbacks? And you just want films to play out in the order that the story happens? Isn't that what you said about some films? I said I hate finding us in the middle of a like, you know, we meet them cornered, everything's gone to shit and it goes three days earlier and we play through that way. I don't mind a flashback. I I hate having to watch the chunk, the, the bulk have, of the movie to get back to where ways. we came in. I can. They're very different features of storytelling. No, it's the same thing. You shut your face. It's the same There's thing. a difference between spending the bulk of the movie it's bringing us back to where we came in. Because if that's where we came in, let's start there. Yeah. So anyway, the film starts morally. with uh, you know him and his brother losing a battle. So mm-hmm. why jump in and then go back to that same thing? The thing is, I want to argue this with you for two hours because I know you're fucking with me. Um, I know you have a you have a leg to stand on, and I can see your angle. But I will argue the fucking. I will argue the toss on this but I don't you don't want want to argue it is is the problem because I don't don't have the the energy energy. you're winning the gumption based on exhaustion you're just hitting a man while he's down that's how I always do yeah Yeah. bro beating for the win Brian fights battles of attrition there's something about his fucking brain that lets him just not get exhausted (laughs) (laughs) It's the so cannoli and pistachio. You need a constant stream of cannoli and pistachio sugar. It's sugar. It's sugar. Poor old Kev has just been talked into silence. 
I know. No, I'm listening. It's all you can do. It's all you can do. You watch old. How was that? M Night Shyamalan. Uh, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of interesting. What is the premise yeah. of old? It was um, a family going on holiday. They're in this little beach. Uh, they're kind of essentially it's almost like they turn around and their kids have like aged like ten years, and it turns out that everybody's rapidly aging. Um, it's kind of messed up, uh, and obviously it's Emma Shalman, so there's a twist. But um, yeah, it was fine. Like kind of, you know, not his worst movie. Um, I think Airbender takes that is, one. There's but, there is uh, a twist. There I, is a bit I, of a I twist. I feel like yeah. he must regret setting this up about himself that he has to have a twist in his fucking films. Would you say I twist? Like I thought, I thought he had slightly, or was it just? you know shrugged that off you know that he can just can't I just make a film for the sake of a film do I have to be the cleverest or do I have to be trying to be the fucking cleverest arsehole surprising you at the end of the last anyway was it good maybe it's not a twist but it's kind of uh, was it good was it good was it good uh, I'd probably give it like a 5 out of 10 it's 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 entertaining it's fine okay Again, uh, that, that's it, not you a glowing review would you would, no, you, would, you, would you recommend somebody to watch it would you turn to someone and go, you have to watch old? No, no, no. Okay. No. It's like I think I think I think uh would have had a cool premise or it has a cool premise, but kind of aspects of it were executed a little bit like kind of uh poorly, uh to a degree. And I just it just it's just like the tra- it's one of those things where the trailer looks really intriguing and really great and the movie is a little bit of a letdown, but kind of interesting mm-hmm. to a degree. Watch it if you want to watch right. it or don't. I won't. I don't think I've watched anything Shyamalan since Avatar or The Last Airbender or whatever we're calling it. Okay, well that brings us then to What If, which has been the 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 bulk or the the center piece of this show for the last four weeks at this point, five weeks. Um. Mm-hmm. So this is What If Killmonger saved Six Iron weeks. Man or saved Tony Stark. What do you think? Uh, weakest episode so far. Not not my favorite episode by a long shot. Yeah, I'd agree. It it Ryan? took so long to just get to that end point. Like, I was with it to a certain point, thinking this is an interesting what if, like mm-hmm. how it's playing out and how he's kind of how his plan is is just all falling into place. Mm-hmm. And then. It, just goes nowhere it just kind of ends once it's only like we don't get to see then what he does it's just yeah it's just it's just positioning him basically and it took 30 minutes to get there it could have gone so much faster i didn't fully understand this like he said at one point like if you could take action you know against the person that killed your loved one and he says that to to chaka and to chaka knows at this point that it's his nephew knows that yeah. he's killed, killed his, his father. nephew's dad yeah I, I mean yeah it, how, did, it did feel like he was essentially saying I'm going to kill you yeah it's like <laughs> to I'm, gonna, I'm gonna burn everything down because you killed my dad wouldn't you do the same and he's like oh yeah you're right Like, I, it just so made no sense ju- just for those listening along who may be 
oh I don't know who aren't who aren't watching what if and like we do say spoiler warning at the start of this so just to give you context for the show if you don't really care what if Killmonger had saved Tony Stark so we get the opening scene of Iron Man where the Ten Rings try and assassinate him but rather than a bomb going off and him ending up in a cave and making an Iron Man suit Killmonger comes out of nowhere and saves Tony Stark and becomes his right-hand man they get rid of Obadiah Stane he manipulates Tony into creating a mech army powered by vibranium and he uses it to uh, create a phony war with Wakanda in order to march hundreds of these things into Wakanda and take power and become Golden Leopard? Golden Jaguar? But like he also just made no sense. I hate, I hate it when um, he was basically like he was manipulating Tony Stark and at one stage Pepper Potts, I think, was like trying to uh, argue against it, and he was just almost like, like, it's like kind of he was just like, I think it's a great idea, Tony, or I think you should, and it was just like that's just like you can literally see him having an ulterior motive, like it was lame. I was thinking about it yesterday about what would make a good what if episode, and I think the ones I liked most have changed the agenda of the central character. And we see how that plays out. Because this is what if Killmonger wanted to, you know, take over Wakanda, which is basically... What if Killmonger tried to do the same thing in a different way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, Whereas the Doctor Strange one shows us what happens if his obsession becomes something completely different. The the uh the yellow jacket one shows us what happens if if um uh, uh he holds oh, a grudge on, his name. If Hank, Hank holds a grudge if Hank against... loses his family, what what happens if he turns against the world rather than sort of retired and isolated, you know? It becomes a different you know, if he can't protect hope. Um even the zombies one, you know, you know, it's not really a what if in terms of changing an agenda. It just changes the entire set piece or 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 setup of the world. You know, the the everybody's the Walking Dead. How, How do we do this? We have a new Thanos goal. become a zombie. Somebody bites him, right? He's bulletproof. Surely, how is somebody biting him? How is somebody breaking his skin? Uh, Tony look, Stark is Iron Man could barely like scratch his cheek how's has Thanos turning into a zombie I'm, I'm not I'm not here to to pick at that but it's just like the Captain Carter one is lovely aesthetically but like all we did was change the character and we did the same thing we did in Captain America even as much as like Kree professed that the Star-Lord one is her favorite one um sorry Kree I did enjoy it but at the same time it's still just like what if T'Challa was a good dude and it's like yeah I mean it changed the world a bit but like I just didn't really particularly care it's nice aesthetically it's funny to see also the animation is taking a serious dip in quality Um, there's a scene I think when Killmorker's walking around Tony's lab and he's just like he's sliding all over the shop It's, it's bad it's poorly animated basically and this episode in particular but also like i think 
just the whole aesthetic of it doesn't work or isn't fully fleshed out. I've seen a couple of stills like where they're recreating, for example, like Tony doing the snap and mm. it's an ugly image. It's it's bad. I think I think we were talking That's about this in before. That like, episode. That's in that Killmonger yeah. episode. I think um, there's a minor ding. Yeah, he, ma- mandering. mandering. Yeah, mandering. Yeah, he, he's been the concept artist for 10, 15 years now. And he apparent, I think his credit is head of character design or something like that. I don't think that means he designed the characters, but I think yeah. he... It, essentially, what I'm saying is it needs... He, yeah, he, he doesn't have an background in terms of designing characters for animation and yeah. it shows in this episode yeah. in particular. I think, I think he's doing his concept art thing, which is, you know, has been central to the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks and then it has to get filtered through the animation department to look a yeah. bit like the cartoon. Um, whatever about anything else, I, I really do think it boils down to the what if, the core concept of the what if needs to change the agenda of the character for us to see something interesting and new. You know, Killmonger... What if, isolated and alone, he wants to make the world a better place because he's left in a shitty place? You know, rather than turning that into a revenge agenda, it becomes like he wants to get next to Tony Stark because he wants to create something like the Avengers to protect the world because he felt isolated and vulnerable. Like, if we change that central motivation factor and, you know, we get a different world or a different agenda or different interactions out of it, this just was Black Panther through another path you know which I, I just shouldn't end up in the same place i ended up in a movie you know how does it's a sonic thing. weapon take out a guy wearing a suit that absorbs vibrations how does that work that is a that is a that is a, that is a very very interesting interesting point you just raised there it was very interesting you know that's that's spot on that's spot on the, the, the key the key thing about vibranium is it absorbs vibration and nullifies it it's it's spot on yeah he killed him wow wow like that because wow. he it, hit it, him it, with that before he took the helmet off right yeah he he got hit by it and then pulled back the helmet to give yeah. it to him right yeah it's just yeah. not a very strongly written series is what we're saying unfortunately yeah, or they're wasting I, a few again like i said I, I was with it to a point where i was like this is interesting to kind of see play mm. out or e- even like I didn't like the zombie episode at all. And then there was one nice moment when like, I think it's Peter's looking through hopes and, and he sees the sunlight and it's like, that's a nice touch. And then when I thought vision was going to go like full villain, I thought, Oh, holy yeah. shit. But then it yeah, didn't very on, quickly yeah. turn on that. And I was just like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, I think there's some interesting moments yeah because if visions if visions love for wanda had became become so all-encompassing and destructive as wanda's became when she took over that town Mm -hmm. then that's that's terrifying and that's a new angle and that's like let's explore that like i I didn't hate that that episode just ended with them heading to wakanda to try and undo it because you know they chose that the battle of this story is finding a cure for this zombie thing but that was different you know that was something mm. new you know but the the stories that just run us down the same path or a parallel path to the same destination i'm just 
like yeah i think that's where this show is falling down for me is like the best ones completely change the world and also now as well it really feels like they're building to the watcher intervening but i don't think he's going to do it until maybe the last episode or something and it's just going to it's going to feel like more it's going to feel like this episode but set across the season where Mm -hmm. they're spending all this time just to put things into place and then leave it there and that's going to be very unsatisfying because we know that they've already held one episode back for season two. That one made. or two, yeah. At least one. I, I heard one first and then I heard two. So it's at least one or two. Yeah. Okay. So this is... Okay. It's a little bit frustrating. Yes. I like it. I like what if... Um, I have like a kind of like a tiered of, of which ones are like, you know, highest or lowest... But I am afraid the latest episode just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I just I wouldn't watch that one again. Yeah. But um, I like what if I'm enjoying it. I have been enjoying it mo like I've I've been enjoying up until zombies and this week. Didn't like zombies at all. Um What didn't you like about zombies? I, don't like I, the, I did I, enjoy it. I don't like the zombie storyline anyway. It just, mm. I, just so many problems with it. Like, are we really saying that like zombies are the biggest threat to these characters? I just don't get. No, nah, I don't think. It, I don't it, think it, anybody's saying it that. Just, I think it just capitalizes on zombies' popularity, and it's kind of. All but that's what I'm saying. But but it, it but it it doesn't work because we've seen these characters go up against so many other things, and then for it to be a zombie thing and then for them to not really be zombies because you know they they just they're just cannibalistic but they're not brainless mindless zombies it, mm. that's exactly it kevin it's just ca- it's cashing in on the zombie thing and it's not very well thought out or fleshed out so like again I'm like how, sure. how does how how does thanos become a zombie how how do they lose so quickly like how like, it, it just it just doesn't work because it's a cash it's grab, those, it's like, not. It's not you know a fleshed like, out. You know the like, you know those video game ads you see on YouTube where like the guy's level three and he fights the level five and he gets knocked back, but then he fights the level two. So I'd say a zombie bit a slightly stronger person. He bit a slightly stronger person. He bit a slightly stronger until we got up to somebody who could bite Thanos. How? We got somebody sort of of comparable strength. Took a nip and then that doesn't work. Just because Captain like, America, what's, Ca- what's Captain his, America, what's Captain his... America gets bit and then takes out the other Avengers, like how's that working? That doesn't work. I have no issues with them turning into zombies it's and just... also curing them. You're going to cure them; they're rotten. Yeah, like, absolutely what? aren't. Yeah, just it's stupid. You, you might stop further stupid. spread, but it's stupid. Okay, I, I didn't have an issue with the it. concept of zombie pandemic. Like, it's kind of fine. Like, I was a little bit you like... You should, because it's stupid, I was, <laughs> and I hate it. I was a little bit like, why can they still all use their powers? But then they were like, well, it's not really a zombie thing. It's a fucking brainwave thing from the quantum zone or whatever the fuck. Also, uh, if ants can just eat zombies, then just have the ants. Army of ants. And also, if, if they're like, how... 
how can Thanos still be a big threat if he's now essentially putrefying in real time? Like, it's just stupid. It's stupid. Thanos can't be as big a threat if he's decaying and his muscles are rotting and they're not working. Like, it's stupid. Zombies only work as a metaphor for, you know, consumerism and stuff like that. It doesn't work when you map it onto superheroes with powers who, like, this just wouldn't be a threat. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Okay. But it's just trying to have it both ways. Captain America they're they're, cam- they're cannibals, but they can still use their powers. So, like, they still have, like, this stupid. Took a little bite of Iron Man. Been, he bit but, but, but if Bucky can take out Cap, how did Cap convert the rest of the Avengers? Because they weren't it's expecting dumb. it at the time. Yeah, but he takes them all overwhelmed out. By... We don't see how, that, how are they? But well, that's what we're led to believe. Like we, how, see, we how... see that we see that shot of Cap getting bitten and then them getting overwhelmed by people. How are they getting overwhelmed by people? Captain. Because most of they... that Avengers team is just humans. Yeah, but we've seen them take on aliens with weapons that are centuries. Which is pretty stupid Earth. and unrealistic. It's not stupid and unrealistic. I can get on board with that. You're telling me that they can't take on a bunch of dead people. It's fucking dumb. I've never met a dead person They're in a superheroes. Fight. It's stupid. We've seen them fight things that look like venom crossed but with but a xenomorph. But if and Captain America is coming on... at you and you're, you're Scarlet Witch, you don't want to hurt Captain America. You want to find a cure in that moment. You're like, toss no, him, Steve, we'll help you. Toss him and then 20 feet lamp. away. But they, toss him 20 feet they away. They don't understand what's happening initially. They've, they've seen a zombie movie. It, they, they've seen an alien invasion. They've, like, just stop. Stop. So what's they next? Get ambushed, they get ambushed the by their own Avengers, robots. They, have, oh no, they, they hmm? get ambushed by their own robots in Avengers Tower, and they very quickly figure out what's going but on. But you very quickly start hitting robots. You don't quickly start hitting some, like, slightly green-looking woman. I think you can slap somebody She hasn't somebody started to rock at the beginning. It's stupid. It's, it's not the biggest problem with the whole fucking series. It, it, it is, though, because you're telling me that they can't handle a situation like that. They're the world's greatest heroes, and they're what stumped if, by... What if the world's greatest heroes couldn't handle a zombie outbreak? There you go. That's it. That's the question. That's, you've just changed the title. That's that's not it. But... but it's it's no. like what if saying, dot 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 that great you've you've got to sell me sell me on that how show me how then how do the they tiny hank pym bites captain america yeah somebody and then captain america turns out oh he bites iron man or an iron man oh he bites iron man cool yeah yep got his mask okay. up i'm going now it's yeah. stupid yeah. nips him in the face bites iron man jesus christ did you watch the trailer for hawkeye yeah it looks stupid Oh yeah, that was a big trailer. I'm only interested because it looks stupid. I think it looks this good. Christmas Whatever. action has I'm a bow on only it. I'm interested <laughs> because of the book it's based on. It looks rubbish.
It's based on a Mac Fraction book, is it? Which is a great book. Yeah, I got it. I also yeah, I have zero it. interest in D'Onofrio coming back as Kingpin because he's not good. Everybody needs to get a grip. It's not good. He sounds like his Men in Back character. It's bad. Fuck you. No, fuck you. No, no, fuck no. You. no, no. Oh. Kevin can fuck himself. Title of the show. Italy changed you. <laughs> it just made me more of who I am. <laughs> Donofrio's rubbish as Kingpin, and I don't want to see him. I don't like less. Him in the show. I liked. I liked when you were less you. Wow, that's what people say. He's rubbish as Kingpin. Oh, he is. Come on. He sounds like, like his Men in Black character. He, does he sounds not. exactly like him. He does. Go watch it again. He sounds. Um, he just talks. He just walks around. Talking like this, he needs sugar. He just Vanessa. Blah, blah, blah. He's rubbish. Wow, sucks. Wow, Brian. He's Brian, it's not good. Brian came it's back not salty. Good. It's not good. It had one good season, and that was it. Season two started off okay with the Punisher, and then it goes downhill. And season three is a turd. Kev's taking his headphones off because he can't hear a bad word against Daredevil. Season one of Jessica Jones was great. Season two was rubbish. Luke Cage was rubbish. Iron Fist was rubbish. We need to let go. Were there two seasons of Iron Fist? There Uh, there were, weren't there? there? Were there two seasons of (laughs) Luke Cage? Um, Yes. It was bad. (sighs) Those shows are disappointing. Two seasons of Punisher. I went in... So optimistic on those things. Punisher was awful. Um, I didn't. We were so optimistic at the time, but I think we can look back now. Season one of Daredevil is good. Do you know what I'm going to miss? Season two starts off good, but the second Punisher is arrested, it's just like <laughs> Jessica Jones is great. Season two of Jessica Jones is rubbish. That's it. The rest is bad. What I am going to miss. I don't with see the new. Uh, paradigm of weekly release Marvel shows is I am going to miss everybody around to Brian's to watch 10 hours of Netflix Marvel show like those, those were good nights and it's kind of it's kind of a bummer that I don't know what we have to wait a 10 we have to wait until all of Hawkeye is released before we can sit I, around and watch I, it I, I think we we also probably like those shows more because we watched them together 10 hours but when we look back now i mean have you have you gone back and watched them no because they're not great uh, well you see i rarely go back and watch stuff anyway you know in a, in a series we watch stuff yeah i don't all the time. i don't re-watch a lot I of good stuff Does, you you're always watching the west wing there are a handful of shows stuff. that i will watch the watch the fuck out of to be fair yeah no good but like have. thanks good like it's 30 rock parks and rec west wing patriot um there's a handful of shows, absolutely granted. Yeah, and you would do it the same with the Marvel Netflix shows if they were good. You would. They'd be up there. They would join. Yeah, but I, I don't like the 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 what the five percent at the top of the bell curve. Like, is always going to be that fucking hot. like I to just because I don't put those Netflix shows up there doesn't mean I don't like them. It does. Does it? It literally does. Yeah. Or like people's performances in them. 
watch watch it again and tell me he's not playing the bug from Men in Black. Because he is. And people are like, oh man, he's so good. I'm fed up of people saying such a good performance when it's just a fucking white guy being angry and yelling. It's not good. Are you describing yourself or? I never yelled. This is not for you. I'm not going to raise my voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ask the Pope. <laughs> you left something out of your Italy trip review. You for figure us, it out. You? What's that? You went, you went to visit the Pope? Or is go ask the Pope a reference I don't know? As if, well, I thought you knew the I'm not going to raise my voice reference because you both laughed, but you don't get that reference, do you? No. I Have just you assumed you were telling us you're not going to raise your voice. Mm, Gotta tell us what yeah, you're referencing no, for and decide. It's a clip of a woman. I can't even remember. She, she asks a guy on the street. I'm pretty sure it's in New York. She asks him a question. And he starts off <laughs> he starts off very calm. And he's just like, you all know me. And he says his name. He starts talking. And then he just goes on Oh, yes, I've seen it. Yes. And at one point, yeah. he oh. just says, you figure it out. I think and I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to go ask the Pope yeah. and then at the very end of it, this long rant he goes I'm not going to raise my voice um, it's very funny yeah. yes I've seen it it's very funny yeah I thought that I didn't understand was he just some randomer or was I he think, like uh, I think, was it a bit I don't know I really don't know I, I think he was just a yeah. crazy guy that she had the misfortune of asking for a Vox Pop but um, mm. but he might have been doing a bit also it wouldn't surprise me if he turns out that he's some mm comic or something yeah. guy. it's like that it's like it's like that guy who's just like a dark overlord the dude you yes. know that guy he's like he's like uh yeah, yeah. it's like i, I figured it could be something i've, like I've listened to a few people recently talking about how like great new york is and how you know you gotta just understand the vibe of the city but like anytime i see videos or like slice of life things about like yeah i, I live in this 12 by 12 foot box and i pay this amount for it and i keep everything but like everybody is it feels like everybody is engaging in the same sort of rules of living in this space, but it's a nightmare. It's almost like it's a total dystopian that uh, people are pretending it's not. Weird. It it does seem like slice of life everywhere is kind of gross. It's like you you watch like uh, you watch like say the likes of for example uh, London and how it's represented on mm. TV. It's very different how London is in reality. Uh, same for New York, same for Dublin, yeah. whatever, or Ireland. Like it, it does look like. Slice of life. It does look like everybody's just made this bloody mental agreement to live within these rules of, like, we're all on top of each other. We're all slightly insane from the close proximity. <laughs> um, go on. Speaking of slice of life, living in New York, slightly on top of each other, and we're all insane, only murders in the building. Um, yeah. I just watched episode four. Segway. I'm really enjoying it. I like Steve Martin. I like um, Martin Short. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with the work of Selena Gomez. Um, what's her face? But she's Amy brilliant, Ryan as the bassoonist. Sting was Tina in this Faye. week's episode. Tina Fey. Um, I did. I, I laughed at how the end of this week's episode. She goes, and if you want to build a website, uh, try Squarespace. Like, it's it's so <laughs> no, bang yeah. on for what you see on podcasts. But I also feel like 
some marketing yeah. person said, hey, we're going to make a reference to a well-known podcast ad here. Who wants to pay for the right? You know? Like, they definitely sold yeah. that line to somebody. It, it may as well have been MailChimp at the end of there, or... MailChimp. MailChimp. Mail Radon. MailChimp. Radon, is that another one? Yep. Um, and I was laughing as well. Maybe it's just the podcast I listen to, but, like, when I started listening to podcasts, at least American podcasts, as opposed to, like, the Ricky Gervais stuff from, that was around, and Adam mm-hmm. and Joe stuff that was coming off of Radio XFM, was it, or... was it? that radio station um, all of the ads were like adamandeve.com I don't know if you remember that um, but yes, now do, yeah. they're all like for men for hymns and it is just funny the way like podcast advertising is aging with us it's like it started off with just like hey you need more stuff for your sex life now it's like hey you're going bald and need boner pills it's just the ones you're listening to Aiden sorry Okay, it's just me then. <laughs> but, just, it, but it's not that it, I'm not listening to different podcasts. It's the same podcast has just a yeah. Age. We know this. That's what yeah, I'm saying, and that that's it. Yeah, that's why you're, your ads are changing because you're listening to the same ones. Okay, do you not have nothing At that least. you've listened to long term or no? No, okay. I don't listen to podcasts. Yes. I hate podcasters. Yes, but. It, I hate the people that make but, them. Um, I hate listening to them. But we love the people that listen to them. Love the people that listen love to them. Love the people that listen to them. They're, they're God's people. Salt you know? of the earth. I've always said it. My mm. favorite people. People that listen to podcasts. It's the people that make them that I, I can't. Yeah, attention seeking scum. abide. Yeah. Just loud, opinionated, whiny, just. You don't have to make that face. I'm talking about myself, Aiden. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Leave it all in. The mess is the show. Follow at the end of cast on Instagram, guys. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe if you can give us a thumbs up on iTunes or whatever the hell that is. Um, and if you want to make it all a website, really why not check out MailKimp? Maybe go over and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Apparently, it's important to have a YouTube presence. We do have the videos up on YouTube. Um, Not the videos of us talking, but I got like a a picture. uh, There's YouTube videos. We could include the video. I think we should include the video. The thing is that these are so heavily edited for, you know, know farts, (laughs) sniffles, and none of us are wearing trousers. It would be a lot of work. What if I edit the video? I mean... If you want to. We could do one. We could do a trial one. Yeah? Okay. Okay. Why not? Brian's going to edit the video. I like editing. Okay. Get to see me try get a hair with an eyelash on my tongue. This is what the people are missing. That's funny because if if I edit the audio and you edit the video, they're going to be slightly different. You're going to have to watch both of them to spot the differences. They'd be choppy. Or I could just cut the video to match the audio and it'd be uh it'd be uh experience edit the video and export the sound it would be a multi-cam premiere project so that when i chop the audio i'm chopping the video at the same time and anyway only murders in the building have we anything to say about only murders in the building brian you weren't here last week when we touched on it are you enjoying it I wasn't really until this episode. Like, I, I wanted to like it more. No, 
It's not that I wasn't enjoying it. I just wanted to like it more than I was. I was finding it very kind of light. I was way more into the premise and the cast than what I was actually experiencing. You know, right. I liked the idea of a bunch of people getting together, living in this cool big apartment block and then coming together because of a love of a podcast and then trying to solve their own murder. I was like, that sounds great. And then actually watching it, I was just kind of like, I, I think there's... This is a lot of these people enjoying each other's presence. I think what I was... I think what people's favorite thing about you know, murder podcasts, you know, like like Serial, for example, which yeah. is clearly... Heavy. Sarah Koenig's entertaining. Even, yeah, even the, the music as well, the piano. Yeah. Um, the best part of that is talking to other people about it. Yeah. And theorizing and... Yeah, they get just a little bit of information and trying to and solve it. About it. Yeah, and I thought it was a great premise then to have a show about that would you know capture that same kind of energy, except they're trying to solve a murder that's kind of actually taking place. And yeah, I just kind of felt like it would maybe to have that same energy, and it hasn't yet. Mm. So I was just finding it very kind of light and yeah. I spent a lot of time as well on stuff like, you know, just, I know the backstory is important, but stuff like, you know, Martin Short's producer and his kind of failings and things like that. Nathan it doesn't Lane really matter. Up. Like, I, yeah, I'd, I'd just be much more interested in them just actually sitting down and trying to make the thing rather than him trying to fund it and things like that. You know, that mm-hmm. gets away from the actual, the actual fun of it, which is just these people who otherwise wouldn't really spend a lot of time with each other are deciding to to hang out with each other. So I don't know if I liked this episode more because Tina Fey had a stronger presence in it. Um, Just a lot of of the laughs that I was kind of, the show, the episode got for me was just, it was her her delivery and stuff. Like when she said, oh, she's got the voice and the writing will come. Just, it's just that biting kind of, yeah, it's just, you know, I think I liked it more because, because Tina Fey was in it. I'm a huge, huge 30 Rock fan. So anything that she's in, and there's more of her, I'm, I'm probably going to end up liking more. So yeah, I don't know if Did it was you because watch, of... Was it good news? Yes. Did I like the show. Yep. Yeah, I think that, that show got under mm-hmm. underappreciated. It's a good show. It's on Netflix, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Got so two that, seasons, I think. It's a very much a... Um, yeah, I think it was off the back of 30 Rock, like the Netflix deal, like there's Kimmy Schmidt and there's Good News and Kimmy was mm-hmm. the one people latched onto. But Good News is cool. It's like, it is like 30 Rock at a news station. Kev, what did you think of this week's episode? Or when when we spoke yes. last, you had only watched, say, 15 minutes of it. But you didn't really say, you know, why did you turn it off after 15 minutes? And you've kind of, have you liked uh... the subsequent three and a half to four episodes that you've watched? Can't remember why we... I can't remember why we turned off the 50 minutes. Oh, I think I was just going to bed. I think I was tired. Uh, I absolutely fucking love the show. You know, I really fucking do. It's just good to see Steve Martin and Martin Short on TV again, doing their thing. I think Selena Gomez is brilliant, and I find her character and what's going on with her really intriguing and stuff. But uh, 
yeah no i love it i don't really have a bad word to say about it i think it's a lot of fun i think it's like it's like you know kind of as annoying as the characters are you sympathize for them and you find them kind of they're very endearing well see i don't think Selena gomez is annoying but martin short and steve martin's characters are but they're very endearing and i love the show i think it's brilliant uh, i'm pretty much just watching shows that are coming out as they come out if you get me i'm not mm-hmm. binging anything because all the shows i'm watching now are coming out on a weekly basis or whatever um but i i love it i love uh, only murders in the building i hope like you know i i think with these things i hope at least it continues strong till for, in my opinion uh or for me i hope it continues strong till the end of the episodes and uh if there's not a like a season two or anything that's mm. fine you know but i, I wouldn't I, want I a like, season two I like these because see martin no no no, as I'm saying, like I think, I think, like kind of just leave it be. Move on to a new project would be awesome, but uh, whatever. I, I don't know. We we'll see how it finishes, but uh, but I'm loving it. Anyways, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's just nice to see Steve Martin back at it and Martin Short. They're both brilliant. So there's ten episodes. Ten episodes. So, and I laugh a lot. Yeah, there's ten episodes, and I laugh a lot okay. during it. So we're four in. Um. So do you want to try and hypothesize? I mean, the there was a nice little like almost like the jerk with the ukulele stuff with the the bassoon and the squeeze box at the window. That was kind yeah. of like pure Steve Martin kind of stuff. Um, when he comes running into uh, Martin Short's apartment and goes, "I'm so exhausted and I'm tired and I need to drink." Hey, look, a pillow, and he just falls into it. Like there's some nice sort of classic I, Martin moments. I know. <laughs> There's going to be a second season. There is going to be a second season. Yeah, because I mean, Tina Fey's making the podcast about them becoming the suspects, essentially, of another either this murder or another murder. Right? Mm. She's making a podcast about them that Only cuts to a couple of months building. later. So they're either all going to be implicated, or, or all suspects, or... or one of them is going. Yeah, one of them is going to be arrested or something. So there's going to be a second season. Straight Did away. they learn nothing from season two of Serial? Okay. Kill the franchise. Mm. It did. Did not That's go where the story's heading. Was not a um an interesting Shit Town was great though. Which was uh, from Serial. Shit Town was, that great. was phenomenal. Is that called Shit Town? You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that. It's S H Star T Town. S Town. S Town. S H Star T Town. It's Shit Town. I, yeah, I really liked it. Um, that's a different podcast. If any of our listeners haven't listened to Shit Town, or it's S-Town, from Serial. Is it? It's sort of yeah, offshoot. It's from Serial. Yeah, yeah. it's a Serial production. It was season three, effectively, of, of Serial. Effectively. Whether they want to say otherwise or not. Um, Had the same producers and whatnot. What mm. not? What anyway, not. yes, there's going to be a second season of this, clearly. That's frustrating. But I just don't think it supports it. Like, do you remember, like, do you remember the? This is us being old. Um, there was a, like a hype around season one of Desperate Housewives when that show started, but that show was like about a murder mystery and a fucking body in a back garden, and it's like it just didn't support six seasons, and it went for six fucking seasons. And I, I don't know. Uh, I just sometimes I think people need to just go. Here's a good idea. Let's move on. Um, like, but ideas are hard. <sighs> Take one good idea, stretch it out, and hope you come up with another one until you 
milk the current one dry. But, but all you're doing is just crawling forward. Yes. With this dying carcass of a fucking show around you. Yes. It. Like I don't think Capitalism. it'll Capitalism. I don't think it'll sustain as much as I like Martin and Short. Um Capitalism. Like do you think the bassoonist is the killer? Well, they haven't introduced anybody else yet, so I mean she kind of feels like it to me. But like I'm I'm looking at trying to figure out so like Tim Kono I wasn't lost a bunch I wasn't of money. Thinking that. He's clearly been robbing apartments. Oh no, Tim Kono. Was he stealing jewelry from a bunch of apartments and hiding them in his Hardy Boys books? I know, I think that's from I think that was when they were kids, no? Maybe he still had the key and was robbing stuff and he's hemorrhaging. Yeah. Money. I feel and I feel like he was trying to cover I, the debts that he built by stealing money from the apartment building and he stole something from the bassoonist and she killed him. That's my guess. That's my episode four guess. It will change next week when I have more information. Because or, it's, a, it's, or a nice it's Tina Fey's character creating stories for her podcast. Mm-hmm. That does actually work as well because you know, we all know that Sarah Kenning got arrested for, you know, implicating Adnan Saeed in a murder she committed. Yeah, based on real life. Well, it was a Brazilian talk sh- or there was a Brazilian TV show that was like kind of like crime watch or whatever and it was it was suffering and having poor ratings and then all of a sudden it started like getting really really popular because they were on the scene just as the crime happened yeah. or you know they were there and all that kind of stuff and they had inside information all that kind of thing and it turned out the presenter was just going around killing people true story there's a documentary on Netflix what's that called then? I haven't watched it I haven't watched it Deadly ratings. Apparently, Fred Durst. Roger Durst. What was his name? It's not Fred Durst, is it? Robert. Robert Durst. Um, I always have to get there through uh, Limp Biscuit. Robert Durst. He's found guilty. Found guilty yesterday? Um, Yesterday, the day before, yeah. uh, So uh, go go and listen to the jinx. Oh, it's called Killer Ratings. It's called Killer Ratings. It's called Killer Ratings. Did I say that? No, that's not what you said. I did, did no. I? What did Deadly. I say? Oh. Deadly. Oh, damn it. It's called Killer Ratings. That's close. Anyways, yeah, check it out. It's a real thing. I didn't watch it. But close, whatever. but no cannoli. Robert. No, or cannoli. Pistachio rather. cannoli. Um, uh, Robert Durst was found guilty. Alison Mack started three-year jail sentence for the Nixium thing. Um, all of our true crime podcasts are sort of Convicted. They're all bearing fruit. Yeah, they're all bearing jail jailbirds. Yeah, they're all that, that's per, that's pretty good, right? All they need to do is get Casey Anthony. That's got to be 2010, 11 as well, right? That was a long time ago. You broke up me, Derek. I, I was just remembering Casey Anthony. Casey, yeah, she's problematic, but she's awful. Well, that's only murders in the building. But also on Disney Plus is uh, the first three episodes of Why the Last Man. Did anybody watch any of that? Is it on Disney Plus? It's through Stars, yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it. Might not be on Stars here until October. But it is definitely on Stars in America right now. You're outing yourself. <sighs> well, I haven't watched it because uh, I'm a gentle boy. I was on holiday in America with my iPad and I watched 
the first three episodes of Why the Last Man. Tell us about America. Tell us um, about it. Was your top three favorite things? Top top three, three favorite things. Um, favorite things. Uh, the the uh, gun control <laughs> legislation is uh, pretty good. Uh, the opioid epidemic is also top notch. They're doing great jobs with all of these things. I and feel like you maybe weren't there. What do you mean? I don't know if these things are true. You don't? No, I, I guarantee you that um, America I think has. These are inaccurate. Uh, the, there's an opioid epidemic and the water in Flint, Michigan is still pretty crap. Oh, I thought you were saying these were good things. Favorite things, your favorite fav- things. Fav- my trade. favorite things about America. Yeah, favorite um, things. Uh, everything's covered in cheese. Which so, just, where did you go? What, what was the best cheese covered thing you had, and where was it? And how much did it cost? Because it feels like you weren't there. It feels like your story has a few holes. Uh, it was a. Uh, I was in a hotel in Secaucus, and we went to. Uh, Wrong answer. The, you should have said bodega. You were in a bodega. Lies make me I feel was in sick. A hotel at a covered um, Irish. In uh, an Irish trade show where we were selling Irish trade show. things. What was the trade show? It selling was about what? selling Irish products into the Irish, Irish community things, in America. Right. And like potatoes. Potatoes uh, and travel Kerry guides Gold. and Kerrygold and uh, Good stuff. CDs of Danny Boy. And uh, they had... Uh, uh, performed uh, by who? Uh, uh, performed by... Uh, 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 yes, and all those classes. <laughs> How many weeks? And we went to a restaurant called Bazookas, and it was a Hooters knockoff. Knockoff, and uh, I had a hamburger, and it was covered in cheese. And then I went for a like little a cheeseburger walk into New Jersey, and it was. Concrete. I'm not buying any of this. I'm sorry. Okay. So why the last man is pretty good. I can see why they put up three episodes to begin with because it is slow moving to get started. The first episode is a lot of introducing characters, which is a long way to go when the whole concept is every man on earth dies and the fallout from that. So you spend the whole first episode going, well, I know what the end of the first episode is. So it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's me being an impatient consumer of media, but, um, you know, I, 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 I get it. Let's keep going. Um, good cast. Dan Lane is in it as secretary or speaker of something of the house. And then when all the men die, she's president of the United States. So good job, Diane. Um, got Olivia Thirlby. She's Olivia brilliant. Thirlby, who I haven't really seen since Dread. Um, but that's more on me than her career. Diane Lane's brilliant. Um, I think she must have worked in things since Dread. You don't go 10 years without a role, right? Um, guy playing Yorick is fun. Agent 353 or 335. Um, good and deadpan. And she's badass. Um, Amber Tamblin is in it. Have you watched it too, did you? How did you yes. watch it? Did you go on this trip also to America with your iPad? Yeah, we no. went on a trip to America. No, I got it illegally. I got it illegally. You what? I got it. I, I straight up got it illegally. Jesus Christ. I'm appalled. 
Well, just as I mean, long I as you remember that snitches get stitches. That's the important thing. I, I'm, I, I, I missed, I, I'm not going to say where I got okay. it from, but I washed it illegally. Right. I mean, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not doing this. I'm not. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to make this bit longer and have to describe what part of America I washed it. And my favorite things about it. I washed it illegally. Okay. So Amber Tamblin is in it. Um, I think it's interesting. She's playing this kind of like right wing, um, conservative religious. I don't want to say nut job, but like she she represents that end. Go of on, the, say it. Nut job. That end. Basket she represents that end of the uh, political spectrum, looking for representation in the newly formed uh, American government that has been sort of decimated. Um, she's an interesting. It was interesting seeing her in this role because I last, like, again, she's worked a lot, but the last time I saw her was kind of house, and she filled that same sort of, like, uptight, nerdy, overly cautious, but ultimately very sweet kind of character. And it's kind of seeing an actor play both ends of the spectrum of their range, you know, where it's, like, uptight, sweet, and nerdy, on the other end is completely uptight, conservative Karen Lunatic, you know? It, it's Who the same. Who is she in house? Uh, she was uh, one of the doctors in the last season. I can't remember her name. Um, I don't think I watched the last season. Yeah, they they went through so many, so many doctors by the end of it. Um, like Chase. She's still married to David Cross. Amber Tamlin. That's wild. Yeah. Um. So, the kind of decision I came down to watching her in Why the Last Man is I absolutely fucking hate this character. So she's doing a great job. Um, show's good, good sense of scale. Uh, I'm really looking forward to episode four. I was kind of thinking as well that it, it with the Walking I'm Dead kind of coming to, to an October end, too. the Walking Dead coming to an end, uh, with the Walking Dead coming to an end, this kind of post-apocalyptic survivalist tale kind of. Your ability to improvise is, I gotta say. It's a uh, it's perished. It's been a long pandemic, folks. <laughs> it is a perishable skill. It is. Do you say that because of Jack Reacher? Because I that's in my lexicon of phrases now. Whenever I encounter something that takes practice, somebody <laughs> goes, "Oh, well, I was good at this." And I say, "Are you still good at it?" And they go, "I think so." And I go, "It is a perishable skill." No. No, I, I I got it from Duval, and it's just it's in my. I think I heard it in relation to drawing, maybe. Okay. Because drawing is very much perishable skill. Yeah. Drawing will kill you. Drawing will kill you. Dead. It's basically, it's basically it. It's um, torture. <laughs> I'm just reminded of uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, I can't remember the exact context, but he uh, he doesn't have room to fit his brain into the new body he's jumping into. So this isn't going to leave you this, this, and this. And it was, uh, you know, I think a three weeks of improv classes or something he took. And then throughout the episode, he can't improvise <laughs> because because he's given, he's left it with his other guy. So every time he's making an excuse, he keeps just saying, I need to go take a shit. Um 
because he can't think on the spot. So he just keeps using the same excuse. So every time there's a, a this dead air, the only thing going through my head is I gotta go take a shit. I'd just like to remind everybody listening that the day of record here is September twenty third. So we watched these all legally on Disney Plus. Yeah, fair. Which is, of course, the day after they all became available on Disney Plus in Europe. All watched September twenty second. We're just doing a bit. It's just yeah, a bit. It's just fun, guys. We're, yeah. We're, yeah, it's a bit. It's just a bit. I'm just doing a bit. Yeah. And they can't how... see my face on camera, so they can't tell what I'm like. <clears throat> it's just a bit. Comedy, allegedly. You can say anything on any format and then later say you were just doing a bit. I gotta go take a shit. Shit. <laughs>